Hello, and welcome to Profiles in Risk. This is your host, Tony Canyas, switching into my radio voice. Today, I have with me Alicia Sandlin, and today's episode is a career episode, uh, which is my favorite type of episodes. Uh, so, Alicia, uh, uh, thank you for joining me today. How's it going? It's going great. Um, good to see you, and I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So it, it, it's it's really it's really interesting. Um, when we started Profiles in Risk, three hundred and forty episodes ago, or something like that, Nick Lamparelli, uh, Carly Burnham, and myself, uh, it it used to be just the three of us chatting about insurance, and we wanted to have guests every once in a while, and and especially have guests talk about their careers, uh, and then InsureTech really took off, and and. We found that it was very hard to get to to get carrier people to come on the podcast because they could never get permission from their carriers to come. So basically, only when somebody like retires or is between jobs, we are able to get him on. Right nowadays, in the insured space, it's it's a lot easier. So Nick ended up taking off and doing like 120 uh, insured tech founder interviews, and then. Uh, uh, Carrie Ann Nadeau did a few, and then I've done like the last 200. But my favorite episodes are generally career episodes. So, because that, like, that, that's what I wanted to do with the podcast when we first started. So, this, this is one of my, my favorite type of, of episodes. So, so Alicia, you, you are out in California, San Francisco, right? I am. Yeah. Okay. So, I lived in the Bay for a while, and it is a beautiful, I, I lived in Berkeley. Uh, it's a beautiful area, but it's not an insurance area. Uh, right, like it's not not for carriers. There's brokers, there's insure techs, but like like fireman fund got bought out, and there's just not a lot of carriers out out there. So basically, like looking at at your LinkedIn, uh, I so it it looks like you uh, did some time at all risks, and then did a significant amount of time at AIG. Uh, so just kind of, kind of tell me your story. Yeah, sure. So I, I, unlike a lot of people today where there's opportunity for risk management programs, there were only one or two when I first got into the business and I got recruited into the business, not from, um, insurance. Uh, I was working, I was doing corporate sales for an airline and I had a bifurcated reporting structure and the gentleman, um, that one of the gentlemen I reported to had an insurance background and recruited me into insurance. And honestly, at the time I got recruited into insurance, I imagined, um, a world of knocking on doors with mortality tables. And if they didn't take the mortality, if they didn't want your life insurance, you'd offer them some sort of vacuum. I had just this very terrible view of what insurance is. And the thing that really got me excited in um, about it was at the time, it, and now it's a little bit more of technology companies when you're looking at skylines as far as um, science. But um, this person and who's still a friend and mentor of mine said to me, He's like, Alicia, if you look at a downtown, it's on the buildings, it's all banks or um, insurance companies. And that was the tipping point, along with the fact that he also said, whatever your interest is in insurance, you can find that. So if you want to do entertainment, if you want to do directors and officers, if you want to do aviation, if you want to do hospitality, whatever your interest is, so it's an insurance. I, I have got to say uh, that your mentor, I don't, believe, I don't believe you've shared his or her name. Uh, I think you said it was a gentleman. 
but but uh, uh, a gentleman and a scholar. Uh, that I love that. That is one of the things that I love about insurance. And by the way, that perception of like knocking on doors with with, with mortality tables and call, calling your friends and family to solve the life insurance, that perception persists to, per, uh, persists to, to this day. And what I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter what you're into. I I, I call it the the aviation insurance paradox, uh, the aviation underwriter paradox. I, I made a video on YouTube about it. I'll include the link when this goes live. But it's basically that idea that regardless of what you're into, somebody insures it, somebody underwrites it, somebody sells that insurance. Now, that job is probably not an entry-level job. How do we help you get there? So anyway, you're you're speaking my language, so continue. Well, so that I, I got into my first job into insurance was in the wholesale side, and it was working for all risks that you saw, and it was a great learning ground. I was... Um, you know, they said, you know, you can teach anyone insurance, but you can't teach everyone interpersonal skills. Um, so quickly after starting, I was, um, they had acquired a firm in California. I was still living in Arizona at the time. And this is the other thing about insurance, right? And you know, this is it's global, it's regional, it's global, it's, um, it's everywhere, right? It, there's not a country in the world where insurance does not come is not a vital part of the ecosystem in, in the financial world there. Um but I, I got I started going and marketing our program business that we had, as well as what the firm in California could do. And that was really interesting. I was only in insurance for a couple of months. I really didn't know what I was doing. I would go into a retailer's office, talk about the products we had, um, and then they'd ask me questions. And I, you know, reflecting back, I tell this to a lot of people just because it's now I know how ridiculous it was. But at the time I got the question, I... I wanted to crawl under the table because I had a kind of a large audience in the room and they asked me um, if we wrote symbol one auto and anyone that's in insurance that has any touched auto that that's just the bare bones basic right where it's you if you're doing auto insurance you know symbol one but at the time I had no idea what that was I just thought wow and then looking back I just sort of laugh at those moments but those were the moments really in my early in my career where I I had to ask questions and be inquisitive and really um, just be humble about, you know, I came from a career from, you know, the um, airline business where I understood and I loved it. I was passionate about it to starting completely fresh into a world of uh, new vocabulary, new terms. I mean, premium binding binder, all of those things. um, I had no idea, but it was a great experience. And I think on the wholesale side, especially you really get to touch a ton of different products Um, same with retail brokers as well, because they have to meet the client's needs, but you quickly, it's a, it's a quick trial by fire. And then, um, to the heart, I entered the insurance business at, um, the tail end of a hard market. And I made my switch to AIG after the wholesale side, because there were guys that were there that had been there with established books for 15, 20 years. And because of the market conditions having changed, I wasn't going to be able to make my bonus. I knew that. I thought, okay, this is a good time to diversify my experience. And I had done transacted business with AIG and because of their global reputation. So in um, late 2007, I made the change to AIG. And then I got to live through um, 2008 um, at AIG. And that was an incredible time. It was uh living life on the edge a little bit in terms of information and trying to understand what's happening. And so, you're at this big powerhouse. So, so, this is really interesting. Let me pause for you there for a second. Okay. So, so basically 
So you go to AIG, which is a very, 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 very large, very, very famous, very well-known insurance company for people who are in insurance, right? But like, if your parents are not in insurance, they probably have no idea who AIG is. So you go to AIG and like your family has no idea. Your friends have no idea who that is. And all, yeah. and then the, the 09 happens and all of a sudden AIG is in the news every day in very negative ways. So this, yeah, this must have been a fascinating time to be there. Yeah, to be at AIG during that time was, it was absolutely incredible um, because there is a lot of, you know, as, as you experience on news, right, there are a lot of um, sensational headlines and people were driving by, by executive houses and um, waiters and uh, at restaurants were taking pictures of credit cards and receipts and there were security issues. So we were instructed to um, it some in some occasions hide our badges or put stickers on the logo on the credit card, and then we went through a rebranding at the company. Um, it was an incredible time to be uh, part of that. Chartist, right? Yes, chart. Well, at first it was AIU, uh, which is the AIG's international label, and then it went to Chartist. And then everyone with that had transacted business, they understood that AIG is a is an integral part of the global economy and um, that it probably wasn't going to go away anytime soon. And I was in Arizona at the time. That's where I'm originally from. And then, so that was 2008. And then um, midway through 2009, I wanted to grow and expand with the company and I was open to relocating. Uh, so there was an opportunity to move to New York and move, and people thought I was crazy. They're like, you're moving to New York with AIG. And I'm like, yes, I'm moving to New York in 2009. While this is still going on, I'm not crazy. The company's not going to go anywhere. Um, I, you know, I'm sure the, the, there were some questions on that, but it was an incredible opportunity to get, to get to New York City, be at the heart of what is, you know, one of the biggest centers of insurance in the world and be able to experience that. And, and with AIG, was, it, was an, it was an amazing opportunity to, to go and expand my career. So I, I feel like I missed out in that I never went through AIG. Uh, right, like like working in insurance and and like being a giant insurance nerd, having never gone through AIG, you feel a little bit left out. It feels like everybody's gone through there now, and and they've gotten really amazing experience. Now, my career advice, and this is Tony speaking. This is not Alicia speaking. This is Tony speaking, who has never worked there. Uh, what I have heard from many people is that at AIG, they pay you well. You learn a lot. You work with really interesting accounts and they work you to the bone. And then there's downsizing every couple of years. Uh, so basically, like, I've heard people say it. This just makes me laugh. Uh, without, like, without question, it's such an important company for, for the insurance world, right? Globally. Uh, but I've heard people say that, that they count their time at AIG in dog years. Um, <laughs> Which really makes me laugh. And I, I won't ask you, like, 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 we don't want to badmouth a former employer. And clearly, like, like it was a great experience for you. I, I had a great experience there. So I, even though I'm not there anymore, I, I ran to an opportunity. But um, within AIG, I, I, everyone has a different experience. For me, I joined it because I wanted the global experience. I ended up having a global role. And I got to see insurance around the world. I got to do business in Japan and China and Europe and Latin America. And one thing that... That experience was... is so hard to get, right? Like, 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 like it's a, the kind of experience that, that your best shot of, at getting it is at AIG. 
A hundred percent. And it was, you, but those are things, you know, I think with any large company, it is what you make of it. You're going to, you have to be your own advocate. You have to raise your hand. You have to be willing to take a chance. And if someone comes to you for an opportunity that might be outside the box, and I think you'll see from my career, um, and someone recently I was speaking with, um, call it a journey. And I, I never really thought about it that way because I don't have a linear career path. I don't have, I didn't go from underwriter to underwriting manager to product line manager to chief underwriting officer. I've taken opportunities because they've presented themselves to expand my skill set and my knowledge, which is why I haven't had a linear career. Um, for me, everyone has different drivers. Um, I, I have a ton of intellectual curiosity, which which really um, drives and uh, is a passion for mine. And at AIG, why I go back to that, because I was there for so many years, uh, but it was, it was a great experience, right? Going and learning what in Japan, what are issues that are, what, what do they face? What if people face in China around insurance? What does it mean to be a foreign insurer um, in, in another country? How do they see you from a jurisdictional standpoint? Um, and then and one thing that's really common, which I thought was interesting, um, the big takeaway is the price is always too high, no matter where you are in the world. The terms and conditions are always too tight and there's always competition. Um, so those things are very common, right? Where And I, I thought that was, it sounds very basic, but I didn't realize that was um, a global issue. And it was a little bit refreshing, especially when you're on the front line, when you're an underwriter, right? When you're on the front line of an underwriting deal, it, it's exhilarating, it's thrilling, but it's also stressful because you have a lot of different, a lot of different stakeholders, both internally and externally, that have different goals and trying to meet all those goals. Um, it, 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 it could be a tough position sometimes. I, I really, I really love that. Uh, the, 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 everywhere in the world, they will always complain about price and you just have to get used to it and learn how to deal with it. Uh, I think for, for the listeners that for, for the listeners that, that are listening to this, uh, to pick your brain on, on, on how to grow their careers. I think it's important to say, um, your experience at a company, you kind of alluded to this, your experience at any company has a lot more to do with your manager than it does with the company. Uh, whether you love it or hate it, there has a lot more to do with having a great manager and a great team. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think I think having managers that can advocate for you, and but you have to build that trust with them, right? It's not an automatic, it's not a given. You shouldn't just expect it. You have to build trust. You have to ask for help. You have to be humble. I love, um, you know, being humble and hungry is, and also within insurance, this is something I tell everybody. So anyone that's listening that knows me has heard this a million times, but anytime you meet anyone in insurance that claims they're an expert, they're, you're the, you're the, they're the first ones you should run away from because even though they may be extremely proficient in what they do, um, because we're in a constantly changing environment, whether it be from, you know, we might have some legislation that came through that impacts an entire book of business, or you never know what could change something. So you always have to be on your toes and there's always learning, even if you are extremely proficient at what you do. Are you interested in small businesses? My name is David C. Barnett, and I've been podcasting and producing YouTube videos about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses for almost 10 years. I'm a former business broker and have owned and operated several businesses, and I've been advising business owners since the 1990s. Each week, I create a new podcast which answers one of your questions, and I've always got amazing, exciting guests. 
You can find me on YouTube by going to smallbusinessanddealmakingpodcast.com or just search David Barnett's Small Business in any podcasting app to find me. I look forward to seeing you around. Perfect. Perfect. That's fantastic advice. Truly fantastic advice. So it, interestingly, so on your LinkedIn, and I don't know if I'm reading this correctly, but on your LinkedIn, it looks like you left AIG for, for a little bit and you went to WKFC underwriting managers. I don't, that, that, maybe that's a, an AIG company. I don't know. No, it's not an AIG company. Yeah, I, I, I got recruited. Um, so I was, um, I got recruited away. Um, it was an opportunity to um, get, you know, originally from Arizona, I was living on the East Coast to get closer to family, but also to join a, a hyper growth MGA um, that was acquired by Ryan Specialty Group. And also to learn a new part of the business, um, learn how programs work, how the MGA world works. Um, and I also had the opportunity to learn property underwriting, which is something I had not touched. And um, that was interesting. And, and there's also a different distribution base with that company than there was at AIG. And it was, it, it was a small going from a large AIG of the world to moving across, the, moving from New York to San Francisco, which is what got me to San Francisco. Um, and working with a small office with um, a small company that is mighty and um, they're doing great things. They have incredible relationships with their wholesale partners and with their carrier partners. And to see that firsthand um, was an incredible opportunity I couldn't pass up. So one, one thing I, I just realized, so I, I, I have worked never, I have never worked for either a broker, a wholesaler or a program. And in my mind, wholesalers and programs, I just realized you know, I, I was two days days old when I when, when I realized like just now that those are different things. Um, in my mind, they were kind of stored in in the same cabinet. So so help me understand like the difference between a wholesaler and a program manager. Yeah. So sometimes some wholesalers have a program to keep things, you know, as insurance is right. There's a lot of interchangeable <laughs> terms, but some wholesalers have a program division. Um, but this is where um, insurance companies give capacity to a program manager um, to um, transact business on their behalf. So they're marketing the program. They're distributing the program. They're managing the profitability of the program. Um, and they serve as an additional arm of the insurance company to be able to get out there too. Sometimes it's a particular class of business. Sometimes it could be an association offering product to their members. Um, so that's what that's what a program manager does uh, or managing general agent. Um, they, they're transacting business on behalf of, of an insurance company. A wholesaler, they are um, going out and marketing uh, their trans-broking business. There's a few different um, aspects to a wholesaler. You have some of the larger risks, some of tough construction, tough products where um, agents and retail, retail brokers don't have access to certain markets and the excess and surplus um, line space that the wholesalers do. And the wholesalers um, oftentimes have specialties. So there could be some that specialize in wrap-ups. And you're going to want to have someone that's a specialized um, expert to help guide you through some a complex um, transaction. And that's what um, wholesalers can provide. They also have binding authority um, from certain carriers. 
so when I was at All Risks, uh, Colony, uh, for example, was one of their top binding companies where they would give you um, for small so, sort of SME business um, opportunity to write that business in-house given um, they give you the parameters based on the class of business and the pricing. And so you're able to issue that quote in near in real time. So you don't have to wait um, on an underwriter or going back. You know, it doesn't have to leave your office. And then sometimes the wholesalers also have like at All Risk, for example, which is also acquired by Ryan Specialty Group, um, is um, they have an incredible programs uh, team run by Chris McGovern that has been there for, uh, been in place for about 20 years. And th they have everything from security guards to sprinkler contractors. So um, WKFC, which is also now owned by Ryan Specialty is run by Don D'Onofrio and she's amazing um, insurance woman. She's been won a ton of awards. She's a great mentor and a great leader in the space. But you know, they are, custodians of a capital from insurance companies and they have to take that very seriously and so they underwrite just as if they are an insurance company i hope Perfect. that yeah no, that, that was fantastic that was absolutely fantastic um so then you go back to aig so so what brought you back to aig and what did you do in on, on your triumphant return so I went back to AIG. Um, there was an opportunity to continue within the program space and expand my skill set as a program manager. So I went from working for an MGA program manager, or program administrators are also called, um, to back to back to AIG to manage relationships for program administrators and MGAs and managed. So in fact, I went full circle and was working with um, some programs that All Risks was doing. Um, so, you know, that's one of those things they always tell you in insurance. It's a, it's a big world, but it's also small. So it's important to really make sure that you um, are mindful of that. Um, but I went back to run program, uh, run s a several programs, not the whole program unit, but I had several portfolios um, under my um, under my umbrella, and working with the program administrators, making sure that the underwriting guidelines that we've created for the program um, are make make them have a viable program, but also protect the capital of the company, um, making sure that they're they're inching toward profitability, um, keeping the program administrators abreast of claims trends. So you're working with claims, you're working with actuaries, you're working with the program administrators, and the program administrators really do the heavy lifting. They're the ones out there finding the customers, they're marketing the program. But from a carrier standpoint, you wanna make sure that they're following the guidelines, they're adhering to the pricing, you're working with them. You know, if maybe say you're offering property coverage and there's some wind in a tier one Texas territory and, and their claims are running hot, you work really working closely with claims and actuary to make sure that is, if from a geographical standpoint, is there something that's running hot where maybe we can pull, slow something down in one area yet keep the program viable because you want the opportunity for the program administrator to you know have a solid revenue um, opportunity from the program as well awesome you you, you said something that career-wise is very 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 important there are career advice wise there are about two million people in our industry in the states uh it's a big industry Everybody knows everybody. Everybody <laughs> knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. Never burn a bridge. Never burn a bridge. Uh, a manager mm -hmm. tools, uh, which which is a uh, 
podcast that I love, Manager Tools and Career Tools. The company's name is Manager Tools, manager-tools.com. Uh, one of the two founders of Manager Tools uh, likes to say, uh, never what, uh, smile to, to, to people who you pass on the way up because you'll pass them, I, I get on the way down. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a great. I love that, and it's hundred percent true. It's hundred. It's so true. It is so very true. So be nice to everybody. Uh, play nice. Play play nice in the sandbox. You never know who. And and I I've my approach is if you are in insurance or if you want to be in insurance, you are a valuable connection for me. I don't care if you are. Uh, Mike LaRocco, CEO at, at State Auto, who just left after after finishing the acquisition where, where they got bought out by by, uh, by Liberty, or if you are uh, a uh, if you are working in in one of the digital digital sweatshops that we call call centers in, in some of the large carriers, or if you just want to work in insurance, you are an equally valuable connection for me because you are in insurance and this is my pond. This is where I live. Right. And, and, and this is where I work and this is where, where I make my living. And, and uh, I will happily open doors for you uh, as much as I, as, as, as I can. Uh, that I think that approach makes a lot of sense. Now, my way of doing it is, is, is a bit extreme and, and people like, 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 like most people don't have the time to do it the way I do it. Uh, but don't be one of those people's people that is a great networker, up and kicks down or ignores down and ignores sideways and only networks up don't be one of those people it's not good i i couldn't agree with you more on that i think that is something that some people should never forget um you know everything from even the janitor in your building to uh the security guard you never know right i mean those everyone's a person everyone has a different job not one job is better than the the next and i think that's something that's important for people to realize number one it's the right thing to do to be nice to everybody number two you never know right you never know which security guard has the ceo's ear because he's been there for 25 years right exactly. you never know uh, uh one what one, one that is an absolute no-brainer is gatekeepers admins uh right what we used to call secretaries admin assistants make like this is a very typical like like brand new college very hungry college grad with with limited experience and hasn't had the right advice very common way to get in trouble is they mistreat the the uh the admin uh without realizing that that the admin has an immense amount of power and and influence they're the heartbeat of keeping keeping operations going and i think um they I think they also get underrepresented. I think they're they're critical, right? Uh, it's uh, not only as gatekeepers, but they they understand the connectivity around, especially if you're in a large, complex organization. They understand the interconnectivity and the priorities that are critical for the company, um, and definitely important to have strong relationships with everyone. And everyone has, because of the different perspectives, can provide different advice along the way as well. Absolutely, I, I always say. Uh, immediately make friends with HR, with IT, and with the admins. 
if you want to get it, if, if you want to be able, if, if you want to get anything done in the corporate world, immediately make friends with HR, IT, and and, and the admin. Uh, Good advice. Uh, so so okay so 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 in total, a whole bunch of years at AIG. Yeah. Uh, and 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 then in late in fall 2021, you go in SureTech, right? So I did. so. so Tell me, tell me that story. How did that happen? Uh, yeah, tell me that story. That the, the, your insure tech uh, experience. Yeah, sure. It's an interesting. It's. it's a, I think it's. It's. A, it kind of goes around about how everything's still interconnected. Um, I met the co-founder of of Trustlayer at an event that AIG that we put together um, for some of our top tier clients. You, you you can use his name if if you want. Oh, to. I, 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 I like him a lot. I do too. Yeah, we're we're still close. Um, so I I met John for at um, an, an AIG event, and it was a small event for top tier clients and and their broker partners. And didn't recognize him, so I walked up to him and said, "Hi, I'm Alicia. You know, one of the hosts with my colleagues at the event." And he said, "Oh, I have this little startup. You know, we're 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 validating um, certificates of insurance in, in the construction industry. And at that time, they were thinking about blockchain. That's not the case today, but at the time. And um, and for me personally, at that same time, I had just completed a certificate program with the University of Oxford in blockchain um, because I think living in the Bay Area and just the nature of who I am, I I, I really enjoy forward-thinking technology and keeping my finger on the pulse of, of what's happening in that area, which is why I went and um, and got that certificate in blockchain. And so I said, I it was he had mentioned that, and it was just one of these serendipitous moments because I I said for my individual projects I had just wrote about exactly what he built, and I could not believe I met someone who uh, who was building that, and it was just absolutely amazing. Um, so I did some um, that was in late um, 2018, and uh, early, and we said oh we we got to connect you know the holidays go by and then in January of, the, of uh, 2019 uh, John reached out and I ended up doing um, some consulting for John and also his co-founder Vincenzo also a great guy he's the CTO of Trustlayer today and um, did some consulting but I because I wanted to be you know make sure I'm being compliant with AIG um, talked to our compliance officers and they felt like there was a conflict of interest. Um, so I, I said, okay, that's fine. Um, so I still remained friends with them um, and was watching from a distance on what what, what the company was doing. And then um, right after the Series A um, was uh, announced, uh, John and I met. Um, he was in town in San Francisco um, and we met and, and then uh, one thing led to another and I ended up making the jump over to um, Trustlayer. And it was it was not something I wasn't running away from an opportunity. I was quite, I really enjoyed my role at AIG and my last role as a client director working with some of their top clients in the Bay area, um, which were amazing. You know, a lot of these are top technology providers uh, for, that we all enjoy their products uh, in our homes every day. Uh, but it was an opportunity that I felt like I was running to. And I think that is critical advice that anyone that is listening that, Make sure you're not running away from an opportunity, you're running away from a job, but you're actually running to an opportunity that's going to give you. Hey, uh, so if you are watching on video, things look a little bit different. The lighting probably changed. My shirt color changed. Alicia teleported to a different place. Uh, so the inside story is uh, my internet died as we were recording. Uh, I've got Google Fiber. I've got two gigasecond Google Fiber. 
and it has died four days in a row. What the heck, Google? I'm about to Twitter to 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 tweet you to get a, re a refund for this month. Uh, so we are back. Uh, I think was we were recording Friday or Thursday. I can't even remember. We we're we're back on Thursday. Monday. Okay, so 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 we're back like four or five days later just to finish it out. Uh, so if you're listening to the audio version, like I'll I'll probably won't even include this part because you won't notice. But for the video version, I will have some sort of transition. Uh, Okay, cool. So thank you for joining me again. Uh, so Not just before we got cut off, I had asked Alicia about the transition to InsureTech and she had told me how that happened. And uh, she was in the process of, of saying that the reason she, she made the move is because she was excited for the opportunity, not because she was running away from anything. And that career-wise, uh, it, it, uh, it, it never makes sense to run away. It always makes sense to go towards something you're excited for. And, and, and I, right when my internet died, I was about to, to, to strongly agree with that. Uh, and I've had this uh, conversation in, in chat with Tony chats many times where, where, where I've told people, uh, you know, if you're in a really crappy job, uh, there's a strong temptation to just run away to anything. Right. And, and my advice usually is don't because you, you can easily, uh, jump fr from the frying pan to the fire. And, and before in the frying pan, you at least had tenure now in the fire, you don't have tenure. And, and uh, now if you make another jump, it looks bad on your resume. Uh, so you go, go, and, and you won't be successful at, at, a, at a job that you're going to just because you're running away from another job, not because you're excited for the new job. Moving is right up there with death and divorce in the Stress Olympics. But fear not, turn that box of woes into a crate of woes with moving tips in the Life Beyond Boxes podcast with Premium Q Moving. Dive into the world of hassle-free moves, learn tips and tricks to save on cash and your sanity. Say goodbye to those moving meltdowns and hello to the smooth sailings. Or should we say smooth movings? Tune into Life Beyond Boxes with Premium Q Moving on lifebeyondboxes.com or find us on your favorite podcast platform. And with us, unpack the secrets to a stress-free move. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, running to an opportunity that expands your skill set, might expand your network, helps hone in on a skill that you want to develop um, is definitely important <clears throat> because if you're just running from a job um, and just switching names on the, on the door, that's not going to, that there's no long-term satisfaction there. Um, and I think also it's okay to take some risks along the way. Um, to try something new. And I think we talked about that um, last week, you know, where some people, a linear career is fine. Um, for me, I think my interest in wanting to continue to expand within the insurance sector has driven me to find roles that are a little bit different than the last role I came from. And there's nothing wrong with that either. I think, I think that's, I think people, sometimes they picture themselves as needing to needing to follow somebody else's path, but it's okay to follow your own path. Well, and and in insurance, how do I put this? In 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 investment banking, in accounting, in consulting, uh, there are careers where there are very defined paths. Where like you do this for two years, and it's either up or out, and then you go to this level, and it's either up or out, and then you go to this level. And at some point, maybe you join a client, but it's a very, very well-defined path. 
And there are advantages to, to that. Uh, like, like we can teach you in college what those paths are. That's not the case in insurance. In insurance, all careers are like giant, <laughs> uh, all successful careers are, 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 are giant, uh, like squiggly lines, sometimes historically at the same company. But squiggly lines, not, not, nonetheless, like, like I know very few people in our industry who had like a straight growth from like claims to head of claims or for, from underwriting assistant to head of underwriting. Like, like everybody kind of goes like that. Uh, yeah, and exactly. nowadays, more and more in between companies and not only that, uh, uh, to insure tech and then back and, and then create your own insure tech or what, right? Like, like it's even more crazy mix of, of, of stuff. So we are recording on August 8th. Uh, 2020, 2022, and it has been a weird last few weeks uh, in, in the overall economy. So, so just just on Saturday, uh, so after we recorded the first half or before we recorded the second half, uh, uh, some economic numbers came out, and and uh, basically we we do we have known for for about three weeks that that we are in a mild recession right the the the, the definition of a recession is is gdp uh decline for two quarters in a row so as of july 1st we are in a recession a very mild one it's it's been a very very mild decline in the overall gdp but this saturday we, we got some economic news that the u.s economy created five hundred and twenty-eight thousand jobs and unemployment is going down. And at the same time, we have inflation. So I, I, my, my dad happens to be visiting me. We are both MBAs. Uh, neither of us are economists, but we're both MBAs. He actually has two master's degrees, both around wow. the business space. He's an industrial engineer by trade. And we spent a lot of time chatting about this, about how like this current environment makes zero sense, uh, right? And, and in our space, in insurance and tech, in the last few weeks, we have seen several downsizings in the insurtech space. The carriers seem to be stable, but then on the insurtech space, we're also seeing a lot of hiring, right? Uh, so it's it's a really weird world that we're in, and and I, I do have a mild explanation on 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 why unemployment is decreasing instead of increasing during this very mild recession. And, and my best explanation, and again, I'm not an economist, uh, is that is remote, basically. Like, like it, it, and I wish I wish that I could find, and if anybody, listeners, if anybody's a nerd and can find this, send it over because I'd love to see it. Basically, I am guessing that there is a, a increase in unemployment for blue collar work, but a decrease in unemployment for white collar work. And why? Why would that happen? Because white collar employees in the new world don't have to move to get a new job, right? Well, blue collar employees do have to move. So, so, so even though the economy has declined a little bit, the few people that are getting downsized are simply getting another job without even having to reload. Uh, so that's, that's my guess. So I don't know how much you want to talk about it, uh, and we can cut this part out, but so you're no longer a trust layer, right? 
No, I'm no, I'm no longer a trust layer. So I'm in between opportunities, which is the first time in my life I found myself in this position. Um, it's very unfamiliar, but I understand why. And um, you know, trust layer had to go back to the core of its product as it's continuing to expand. They're they're still doing great things. Uh, I know there was a you know quite a few of us that were impacted, but uh, for the most part, everyone has found some opportunities. And I'm in the final stages with. Um, potentially a couple of different opportunities as well that I'm awesome. weighing out that are different than anything I've ever done before, but equally exciting. So I, I'm, um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, it, that it's within the insurance or insure tech space. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Okay, perfect, perfect. I, I, I can't run too far from the apple tree. Okay, um, good. <laughs> good. And, 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 I, I love insurance. And, and given the massive experience you've had in insurance and now insure tech, what, what, what kind of roles are, are you interested in? And, and again, like, like I will try to get this out as quickly as I can, which probably means this will come out. I could actually get it out this Thursday. We'll talk about it after 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 we're okay. done. But by 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 the time this comes out, you might have already accepted another role. And if that's the case, I I will put a note in the show notes. But if you haven't accepted, if you're still in the game, right? If you're still available, what kind of roles should people reach out to to you about? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I, I have an interesting background where I have um, technical underwriting experience, uh, portfolio management from an underwriting level, um, as well as direct client engagement, which also uh, intersects with their broker partners. Uh, so ideally, I think where I best positioned is somewhere with a partnerships type of position, but that also has a technical aspect to it. Um, being able to still use the underwriting acumen that I've developed, uh, understanding the um, the surplus, uh, I shouldn't say surplus, but uh, the supply chain of how capacity providers work and how to talk within that space. I think that is an understanding their drivers and motivations, something that marries those. And it, you know, if, if, if I was had a linear career, my definition would be a little bit more definitive. But now that I've seen the traditional insurance world as well as the insure tech space, there are a lot more opportunities available um, than I realized. And I think that was uh, one of the really great benefits of taking a chance and going to the startup. It opened my eyes to um, d different different opportunities within the insurance sector, whether it be from a regulatory perspective, from a marketing perspective, from a partnership perspective, and really um, getting a, even a more holistic view of the insurance industry. And I think that's one thing, right? No matter where we go in our careers, it's important to have people within your network that you can call upon, whether they be mentors or you might be their mentor. Some of those, sometimes those relationships uh, flip flop. But I think having a strong network, none of us get to where we are without having the folks, a really great team around us, whether that be friends and family um, that don't just tell you what you want to hear, but also folks within the career sector that might, they, they might know you even better than you know yourself in terms of your career, because I think we, we're not aware of how other people see us. So sometimes they could turn us on. A broker friend of mine turned me on to a couple opportunities I didn't even realize were out there. So I'm being a little bit uh, vague on purpose because I don't want to give it completely away. But um, yeah. yeah, there it, it, it's a. Uh, this is still a very much a relationship business. Um, and there, I don't think we'll be ever getting away from that. I think the technology and tools that InsureTechs like TrustLayer and others are bringing to the table are really going to help solve some gaps that are needed in the insurance space and really make things more efficient for the end buyer, especially now that we're at this inter interesting intersection of 
the digitally native customer um, entering being the, the, the I think the percentage between non-digitally native and digitally native that's that that's really going to level out here soon. I I agree hundred uh, percent. Our industry will always be a relationship based industry, and even if the technology got to a point where a lot of these people were needed and we're nowhere near that. And then, uh, the, the people still, the, 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 right. Even if let's say 80% of insurance transactions were, were handled almost entirely digitally with no human touching them, finding your next opportunity is still best handled by, by, uh, by your network. So invest in your network. Invest in your network. Uh, uh, Rob Galbraith likes to say that that uh, domain expertise never goes out of out of style. So in investing in in becoming an insurance expert, yeah, CPCU that kind of thing. And uh, if you're on, if you're on the technology side, right, invest in being the best you can be on, on that side. Uh, if you're in the analytics side, invest in becoming the best you can be in that side. Domain expertise never goes out of out, out of style, and uh, the power of your network, your network over the long term becoming your net worth never goes out of style. Uh, so it, 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 it invest in your network. Uh, it, it really pays off over time. I also think that um, multi-generational uh, mentoring is really important. Um, and I think there's a thing where you've got folks on the older end of the spectrum often dismissing younger folks and vice versa. And I think there needs to be more um, I think that playing field needs to get leveled because there's there are things that both generations can help each other. Um, I think the tribal knowledge that some of the folks that are the, the end of their career um, that they can share with the, their younger mentees, um, it will just be invaluable to them and help them really understand, you know, you don't need to go down memory lane in, in minute detail, but having the history helps understand where companies are positioned today and why they make certain decisions. And then I think the younger folks, they're, they have a new way of buying things and a new way of looking at things that the, the older, you know, the people at the tail end of their careers can really benefit from. I completely and thoroughly agree. Uh, it, it's, it's been a bit of a long episode since we had that, that pause in the middle. Uh, but it's been wonderful to have, to have you on. I am dying to hear where you land uh and and dying to see your effect in the industry going forward uh thank you so much for for coming on the show oh tony and thanks for having me and i and i love the fact that you you mentioned just a few minute ago, minutes ago if there are any nerds out there well you've got a whole crew of nerds that follow insurance nerds uh your blog your uh your linkedin um and your podcast i think and, and your slack channel which is how i originally found you and um you know i think what you're doing for the industry is really great and bringing the community together uh, both from a traditional and a, a technology perspective so thanks for everything you're doing for the for the industry too Thank you. It, it's been a blast. Uh, and now that I'm a re that I'm a recruiter independently, uh, it's it, it's starting to to really pay off financially. Uh, so so it's 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 really, really it's it's a really really cool position to be in basically. And well, I, you I, have a lot of insight. Having such a such a great time. Uh, so so thank you. Well, absolutely. Thank you so much, Tony. Talk to you later. Make sure you're not running away from an opportunity, you're running away from a job, but you're actually running to an opportunity that's going to give you new skill sets.
Oh, I think you've frozen. Okay, so I'm waiting for you to reappear. Waiting for you to reappear. La 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 la. Pum, pum. I hope that I remember to edit this part out. Tengo que ponerme una nota para editar este pedazo. Alicia. Alicia.